Now rolling and ready to go. The word comes down from on high. Welcome to Awesome Sound, a podcast about American experimental rock band Ween. My name's Matt Warriesmith. And I'm Nicholas Tristan. And we've taken some time off, but we're back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a very relaxing vacation. What'd you do on your uh, podcast vacation, Matt? I went to famous resort Cabo Wabo, okay. where I really got down. <laughs> sure, yeah. Is it a resort? I don't know what it is. We I, looked this up we, and we I look, forget. We looked this up. Cabo is a place, mm-hmm. and Cabo Wabo, I believe, is a resort at Cabo, but you saw Cabo. Cabo Wabo was the place, like I think, the whole geographic location. I feel like when we looked it up, Cabo Wabo wasn't even a resort in Cabo. It was like a Cabo-themed resort in Las Vegas. I think you're right. And so I how was Cabo Wabo? It was shit. Okay, It great. was absolute garbage. Excellent. I missed podcasting. <laughs> Me too. They have a strict no podcasting rule at Cabo mm-hmm. Wabo. You can yeah. only relax and do jello shots. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, so uh, we're back. Uh, we've taken a little break. Um, Much uh, like the 90s film about dinosaurs... Cartoon. Right, yeah. We're back. Yeah, produced by Steven Spielberg. Starring uh, John Goodman. John Goodman, yeah. Uh, so we took a little break, but we're back. Uh, and we're excited to talk more about uh, Ween and uh, all these albums. Uh, just to let you know, dear listener, uh, I'm pretty much fully, fully in the Ween camp now. Didn't take long. Did really didn't take long. The show long. was a smashing the success. The show was a smashing success. From my perspective, for sure. Exactly. Uh, especially in the ratings. Uh, and now <laughs> we're back uh, with episode five. And uh, Matt, what... Uh, wonderful Ween album are we going to talk about this week? We're talking about the seminal 1994 Ween classic, mm-hmm. Chocolate and Cheese. Sure. Uh, which, we, when we started doing the show, the idea was to sort of go from their, uh, what I would deem their most accessible albums to their least accessible albums in terms of weirdness and that kind of stuff. Um, but it really didn't take long. And also, I feel like maybe we spent too much time outside of podcasting hours listening to Ween together. Sure, yeah. And we, we, I think we've sort of defeated the purpose of that. But I, I do think we should, you know, we set ourselves on this path. We made a blood oath mm-hmm. to stick to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm very short on blood as a result. <laughs> so we got to do it. And that's the only way to get my blood back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the witch who we did the blood oath with said, uh, you guys, boys, got to finish what you started. Mm-hmm. That's the important lesson that we'll learn at mm-hmm. the end of... Uh, this blood pact. Uh, but yeah, so now uh, this is going to be less about convincing me to like Ween, and now it's just going to be a uh, full-fledged Ween podcast by Ween experts, because yeah. I got my doctorate in Ween. That's what I did over my podcast vacation. Wow, so, hardly know. a vacation at all. No, it was it was a lot of work, but, uh, you know, I uh, I went to Harvard and, and got my, my doctorate of Ween, and, and now I really do feel like I am a, an absolute expert in you're, all things Ween. You're a, well, one of the world's uh, foremost experts, I would say. Mm-hmm. Literally the only one with a PhD. Yeah, I, I co-authored a paper with Alan Dershowitz mm. on, on Ween, so mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll go into more detail on that. But uh, and You can find that, of course, at uh, Tristan slash Dershowitz dot com, right, where yeah. all of their uh, co-written papers. <laughs> where all your dreams come true. <laughs> uh, okay, so we are talking about uh, chocolate and cheese. Uh-huh. Uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's talk about uh, the record a little back background on this uh this sure. record because i would say this might be ween's most famous album question mark uh i mean i feel like it was probably their quote unquote breakthrough record in, in a sense yeah in that i think a few of the tunes on here remain you know roses are free 
uh, Freedom of 76, a bunch mm-hmm. of the tunes Fruity on here Lady, yeah. became their their most classic hits, I think, and mm-hmm. and are sort of what people... I, I, although I do think that in recent years, there's been a lot of, uh, because of SpongeBob and stuff like that, a lot a lot of love for the mollusk and a lot of that kind of, you know, people are coming to them. There's a, there's a current Ocean Man uh, meme going around. So I think that's how people are coming to it now. But in the 90s, when they were doing their MTV thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, their their heyday of being young and and in the media's eye, I think that this was the record that got them there. Sure. And, and a little bit of background on uh, the Ween record, Jocelyn Cheese, for those who don't know, this is the fourth uh, studio album by uh, American experimental rock band Ween, mm-hmm. uh, and their second uh, major studio release coming after uh, 1992's Pure Guava. That's right. And so they were with Elektra, and Elektra is uh, a huge major label uh, to this day. It's an imprint of Universal, I believe. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Pure Guava was their uh, debut, and I think we're talking about that next episode, not to spoil anything, but, uh, except I just did. You uh, spoiled it. You spoiled it. <laughs> now the witch is going to spoil our blood, and it'll oh. hurt us like voodoo. Oh. <laughs> Sandy, don't do that. She's um, a voodoo lady. So, uh, Topical reference. Uh, Pure Guava uh, was uh, quite successful. Um, there was a surprisingly successful hit single from it, um, uh, Push Little Daisies, which was also featured on... Uh, got a lot of airplay on MTV and was featured on Beavis and Butthead. And uh, by so by this point, when Chocolate and Cheese is coming out, uh, Ween are already sort of known as uh, one of those premier, like, alt-rock trickster bands, kind of like your, you know, butthole surfers and uh, various other, like, Just n- sort 90s. of, like, jestery you know, crud silly, rock. weird, crud rock. Crud rock. That's kind of how, there was a I mean, it's a like big, the 90s, like, experimental rock scene, sort of. Sure, yeah. The 90s, that you kind of could be uh, just, you know, fratty assholes, and you could get a band and a major label deal. Uh, uh, in, in the 90s, it was sort of part of the zeitgeist. So I think a lot of people saw Ween kind of in that way at around the time this came out, is that they were these very, like... <sighs> Fratty's not quite the right They're word. Not, they were but weirder than Fratty, they but they were, were young and they were angry, kind of. For sure, they had a bit of a punk rock attitude. Weird, they still do. Offensive. Yeah, there's a the way that I think like crude the, was tude. The perf crude with tude. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I was going to say. I was oh. actually just going to point to my uh, tramp stamp tattoo that says crude with tude. That looks great, by the way, but it does look infected. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's part of the tude that I was talking about. And mm-hmm. also, I'm hoping to get so infected that you can't see the E, so it just says crud with tude. And then it crud re- with tud. Crud with tud. The classic <laughs> double E infection. The crud with tud. There's a, there's a clip that I was actually searching for earlier today on YouTube, and I couldn't find. I don't remember where I saw it originally, of like an MTV uh, spring break Miami getaway uh, on the beach in Miami Beach, and it's Ween performing, and the DJ, or the, you know, the... Um, MC for the day is Pauly Shore, and he comes out doing his classic '90s Pauly Shore, and it's just like, yeah, this You've is told this, me about this. This is what people thought about Ween in the mid '90s. They were they were like people lumped them in with the you know people who liked Pauly Shore probably loved Ween. Sure, stupid, yeah. irreverent, young, dumb comedy. Um, but I would argue that Ween is far more brilliant. Well, yeah, and I think. Um uh, like I do like uh, stuff that comes before chocolate and cheese. Uh, we'll get into that on on later episodes. But I think this is the first record that feels like a modern Ween record with the the stylistic jump, with tons of stylistic jumping, uh, a lot of variety lyrically, a lot of variety musically. Live drums. Uh, yep. Some uh, not just uh, not just the the two playing every instrument in a drum machine. Uh, you, you start to get a little more virtuosity, a little more like, and with that virtuosity, you get 
better stylistic parodies. For sure. Their pastiche gets way better. Their pastiche gets really good. Like, there's a couple songs on here that are just straight up solid pastiche. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about those when we get to them in the track by track. But, yeah, this really does feel like, to me, the first modern Ween record. I agree. There's a great, I find it's... Uh, this is a great starting off point, I find, to, to give people who are new Ween fans, if you know they're going to be into a lot of the weirder stuff. Absolutely. You know, not necessarily a, a the most accessible record, but if you know that pe- people are fans of unaccessible music and they might like Ween, this is a great place to start because it's got such a great mix of their early, you know, pod pure guava weirdness. And then it also has a bunch of shades of the next record that comes right after this is 12 Golden Country Greats. Mm-hmm. Yep. And their Drifter in the Dark has a bunch of really cool backing vocals and stuff. And you can tell that they're leaning towards virtuosity is a great way to put it. There's tons of great playing on this record. Absolutely. Um, but it's still very much weird and very, it's a little in your face sometimes. And there's a few songs that are clear middle fingers to anyone who's listening to the record. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so normally what we do at about this point on uh, the show as we talk about our backgrounds with the record. Um, why don't you start on this one? Because honestly, I don't really have a ton of background with this record, but sure. go for it. Uh, this was pretty, one of the first ones that I got into when I was getting into Ween originally when I was a kid. Um, th- there's a bunch of silliness on this record that really attracted me to it. There's a bunch of songs on this record that are just fucking amazing songs with amazing, like Freedom of 76 is one of the coolest sounding, one of the best recorded. It's a good fucking song. <laughs> it's one of the best Ween songs ever and all the performances on it are so fucking smooth and cool. Jeaner just absolutely knocks it out of the park. Um, so there's, a you know, that's sort of a part of my, my background with it. But I will say that a bunch of the songs that are on this record, which became really um, uh, commonly played at their live shows, have really taken a life of their own in in the live show. Absolutely, and yeah. I love listening to live Ween live in Chicago. And I'm big uh, big into Brown Tracker, which for any listener who doesn't know what Brown Tracker is, it's an amazing website uh, where they have archived uh, recordings of almost every Ween show ever, and you can find almost any show you want on there to download and listen to, and it's fucking wicked. Um, and so I, I've I've come to listen to a lot of the versions live versions of songs from this record. And in preparing for this podcast, I was like, oh, I'll listen to the album front to back a bunch, which I hadn't really done in quite a while. And uh, there's a bunch of songs that I always listen to the album versions of Freedom of 76. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to tear for Eddie. I really like the album version, although the live version is great also. Um, Buenos Tardes is great on the record. But there's a bunch of songs on here. Take Me Away, um, Spinal Meningitis, mm-hmm. I Can't Put My Finger On It, that when they do it live as a totally different thing. Take Me Away is like way faster. And uh, in my mind, I was always like, oh yeah, I like the live version better. But in coming back and listening to this record again, I'm like, damn, there's so much cool subtlety. Voodoo Lady on the, on the album version, the guitar solo is like fucking insane. I really it, like the guitar solo on Voodoo Lady. Nothing yeah. like how they do it live. Do it live. Uh, and uh, I, I think in my mind, I'd sort of underappreciated the album versions of these songs and listened to it again. It's like, Jesus Christ, man, they're such studio wizards. They're so fucking cool. They're so weird in the way that they make <laughs> songs in the studio uh, that, I, you know, you forget about that when you only listen to their live stuff. So that's sort of my how I'm coming to this record right now. Yeah, I think for me, like I said, I don't have a ton of specific background on this one compared to Golden Country Greats or uh, White Pepper Quebec. Um, but for this this one, for me, I'd say is one where I knew a lot of the individual songs significantly better than I knew the whole record. Mm-hmm. So Freedom of 76, um, Roses Are Free, uh, stuff like that. I-, I can't put my finger on it. Like these are songs I knew and listened to without necessarily like knowing their place on 
the record because I, I think when I was really, really trying to get into Ween for the first time, this was one of the first records I listened to, and I was kind of like, oh, it's all right. Yeah, it's, you, it's pretty good. This is, I think, a classic record for people who are trying to get into Ween, where they'll t- they'll be like, oh, there are five songs that I love, and they'll put them on a playlist and then ignore the rest of the record. Totally. Yeah. But with a few more listens, I think it really fleshes out into like a really interesting, cool, sprawling album. Yeah, and and we were talking about this uh, before we started rolling, but it is a it's a long album. Like there's 16 tracks on it. Yeah. And and a lot of them are short for sure, but like there's a lot of material here. And I mean, I, I think you can, you can trim some of it without too much of a problem, but yeah. on the other hand, it does sort of have that kind of like maximalist excess, uh, excessive uh, aesthetic where it's, you know, just, and, and Ween has always had, you know, long, long track listings on their records. They're and, super prolific. And even in, you know, the, the actual released album aside, they always have, four albums worth of B-sides for every album they make. Absolutely, That's yeah. always how they've operated. So it's on, honestly like, I love when people are like, oh, I can't believe they kept this song on a record and not that other song. It's like, well... You know they gotta they gotta be ween. Yeah, that's you know that's why they made the records and you did it. Yeah, Mark and I were uh, when uh, you were off uh, last episode and Mark uh, Sanders uh, came in for you to do an episode on the Cucaracha. We talked a lot about how we don't personally like the track listing very much, and there's a lot that came out around that time that we thought could have made a better La Cucaracha. But at the end of the day, you're right. It is it's ween, right? They make their choices. They you know, there's choice. a reason they put on. I mean, every band does. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You make choices. And, and often, and I think, you know, like that's p- part of the fun of finding B-sides. If you're a fan of the band, you find a song where you're like, oh, how did this not make it onto the record? I'm sure they had their reasons. And mm-hmm. that's a cool, fun musical experience to have as a fan is to listen to B-sides yeah. and like them more than the actual record. So don't try to fucking take that away from me, Nick. Okay, I won't. Well, stop. Put the knife away. <laughs> don't tell me to put my knife away. <laughs> it's a nice knife, though. Thank you. Uh, it's made of bone. Oh, cool. Yeah, so... Uh, Would you come see my punk band, Bone Knife? That's got to be a band name. Uh, I don't know. Engineer Tom, can you look up Bone Knife and see if it's a band? Don't have internet on my You don't have internet? I'm not on the internet. Oh, right. Well, fair oh, well, enough. Fair I guess enough. we'll never know. So we'll bo- assume it's not. So Bone Knife, uh, it's our punk duo. Um, just you and me. <laughs> playing... Playing sort of doom punk. Sure. I don't know what that means, but that's what we sound like. Okay, so uh, dear listener... Uh, Watch out for uh, Bone Knife. Uh, we'll be uh, we'll be playing at uh, uh, the Baby G uh, next Tuesday. Uh, we're on a bill with seven other bands. Okay, um, so yeah, I'm glad, we, I'm glad we did that. <laughs> Good, that, that's our bo- famous Bone Knife bit. Uh, that's gonna go down in history. It's the best bit from this show ever. Yeah, when we do our best of sh- uh, show, oh, you gotta keep Bone Knife. Gotta keep Bone Knife in. Um, Okay, so yeah, that's my background with chocolate and cheese, <laughs> and that's my background with with bone knife, and also with chocolate and cheese. Um, how how are we doing for time? I've been paying any attention. I've been talking about Ween. Well, let's take a little break. Let's take a short uh, break. Take a short break. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind getting a uh, refill on my uh, sweet sweet chaffa, and uh, yeah, we'll be back soon uh, to talk uh, track by track on uh, the 1994 Ween record, Chocolate and Cheese. Don't go anywhere. This program is brought to you by Siphon. Siphon are the makers of the free, open-source circumvention software trusted by millions around the world. For 10 years running, Siphon has kept people connected to the open internet, to the content that matters, and to each other. Siphon's the best. So get started today 
at siphon.ca. Siphon, beyond borders. Hello, welcome back. You are listening to Not Ween, but rather the sweet sounds of the band Neon Thrush. All right. <laughs> the only doom punk band that we could immediately think of, and only because Engineer Tom is currently mixing their record. They sound great, don't they? Uh, Certainly so, sound pretty good, but not as good as Bone Knife will sound. Perfect. Because we're the best doom punk in the world. So, uh, yeah, uh, welcome back to uh, Awesome Sound, a po- podcast about the uh, music of American experimental rock band, Ween. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were talking about the uh, classic 1994 record, Chocolate. And cheese. Chocolate and cheese. Yes, that's actually how it's supposed to be pronounced. Chocolate and cheese. That's close enough. Perfect. (laughs) Let's do it. Number one track off this album is a track called Take Me Away. Hit it. Mm -hmm. And this is by Ween. By Ween. I'm so not used to this song being this slow. It's way slower than how they play it live. (laughs) Sort of loungy. It's good. It's an interesting uh, album uh, starter. And I think one of the reasons... uh, why the, the sort of exemplifies how little I listen to this full record is that I feel like I normally know album openers really, really well for obvious reasons. Right. It's the first one you listen to. Uh-huh. But uh, was, when I was uh, listening, re-listening to this album in preparation for this, I forgot that this was on Chocolate and Cheese. It's a great album <laughs> it's, opener. It, it's a great tune. It's a great opener. It fits really well, but I just, like, had forgotten that it was here, placed here exactly. Yeah. The placement on this album is hard to nail down it very much because is. of how many songs there are and because of what a wild roller coaster of sonic experience it is. Yeah. And that's what it actually says on the back of the record. A wild roller coaster of sonic experience. <laughs> Matt Warrysmith. Quote Matt Warrysmith. On the reprint that's coming up. Perfect. Quote Matt Warrysmith. <laughs> Bone knife. Bone knife. I forgot what it was called for a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so... I like this tune. Not a lot to say about it, but... Uh, it's great. It's loungy. It's fun. It's silly. It's sort of like... I, I like... It's got that classic Ween style of like, this could be a normal song if only they had written a bunch more verses for it. But instead, they just have him sort of hamming it up and then the fake audience clap, which I think is really fun. The fake audience clap is my favorite song about... Sing about this song, and for this sure. And super lazy guitar solo. I like it. But uh, yeah, I think enough from the song. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to track number two. This is a totally normal song, is how I would describe it. Spinal (laughs) meningitis, in brackets, got me down. By Ween. By American band Ween. This song is one of those songs where people who aren't into Ween say, that's not a song, how could this be a real band? You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, it's definitely profoundly weird. It's, It's gross, it makes you feel gross. It's kind of, it sounds cool though. Yeah, I mean, I like the, the like augmented, like baby voice. Yeah. I, I'd be really asking if he's going to die. I, I would be lying if I said I like throw this tune on just for a fun listen, but. I love the live version of this song where Jeaner is just like totally hamming it up and the chorus, instead of this, where it continues to be weird with the bells and stuff, when they play live, it becomes like a big like rock and roll chorus. Uh, which which I enjoy, but yeah, this is this is again like classic case of I listened to the record and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot how this sounds on the record. It sounds like Ween, you know, yeah. which I'm you can maybe you can't tell for the listeners at home, but I have a big smile on my face when I sound that because when I say that because it's it's like it's so stupid <laughs> that they did it this way, but it's also yeah. like who else would have? Uh, yeah, and I think by this point we are moving beyond sort of the like the weirdness of Ween is getting 
different even than previous weirdness. It's getting Lady smarter, Gaga. I think. I think, and I think they would really bristle at that description, but I think it's true. It's just like it seemed. Maybe smart is the wrong word, but it's their weirdness. It becomes more refined as they continue it's making very records. Refined, they, yeah. It gets a little more subtle. Their production, as their production gets better, it, it widens the scope of what they can do. Sure, it's um, not just like tape. Yeah, know. it's not just a tape. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love their early albums, but it's not just a tape machine and them being weird by, I don't know. When, when you expand the amount of things you're doing on a record, you can expand the amount of ways you can be weird. Absolutely, and they fully yeah. are exploring that on this record. For sure. I don't have much more to say about this song yeah, other than I like it. <laughs> and also this sound is really cool. Yeah, I like it too. There's a bunch of fucking wicked Diener So It's almost like he's a really cool, interesting guitar player. Yeah, that Dean know? Ween. Yeah, I think he's A-OK, and you can put that on the back of the record, too. A-OK. I think he's A-OK. Quote, Nick Tristan, Bone Knife. <laughs> Bone Knife, manager in PR. All right, let's move on to track three. Uh, much more... Uh, pleasant's the wrong word. That song's pleasant in its own way. Sure, yeah. Freedom of 76. In its own way. In, in, its, in its bone way. Bone way. <laughs> Here's Freedom of 76. Feel free to not listen to this episode if you're sick of us saying bone knife, because it's not stopping. Um, okay, this is, what do you, you go. So Freedom of 76 is their tribute to Philly Soul and the city of Philadelphia. They're from, as uh, some of our listeners will know if they've listened to previous episodes and taken notes, uh, the boys are from New Hope, Pennsylvania, which is equidistant between New York City and Philadelphia. Pretty much. And uh, it's kind of this like, but they're cottage-y, Pennsylvania boys yeah, for sure. Cottagey Pennsylvania town, but I imagine they spent a lot of time in Philadelphia, and this is a very loving tribute to the city and also the Philadelphia soul sound. Uh, very sweet, smooth sounds. Uh, uh, Gene sounds great uh, on the vocals. Well, we already talked about this song a little bit because mm-hmm. it's just so fucking good. This is one of the smoothest sounding record, like ween record tracks ever, I think performances are fucking awesome. All the wicked background vocals too, which as I mentioned earlier is a great precursor to a lot of the backing vocals and stuff that they explore on 12 Golden Country Greats. They're really, like I said, just fleshing out. You know, this album is really opening up to all sorts of different sounds and they just fucking nail it. This song is so fucking good. (laughs) Yeah, there's not a Ween record this would have fit in at all until now. Like, you could not have heard this on God, Ween, Satan. No, be like, what the hell? even Pure Guava. It it would have, but it would have sounded thin and small and... and grungy. Yeah, not nearly as lush and and smooth sounding as this. I'm always disappointed to this day that there's no mention of Rocky in the song, the one (laughs) classic Philly thing that they're missing. They also, uh, I found out that... uh, uh, the film Mannequin was not filmed at Woolworths. It was filmed at a different really? Philadelphia uh, department store. So. I wonder if they knew that. Yeah, I mean, and if that's like, uh, is that, I wonder if that's a classic, like, uh, Philly rumor that it was filmed at Woolworths when famously it's not. Uh, but, I've certainly spent my whole life thinking it was filmed at Woolworths. It, it's, it's also, it's just like, that's a very weird thing is that it's like, because they are parodying these, like, uh, songs that are about how great these tribute songs to cities because like who gives a shit if the Kim Cattrall uh, 80s comedy mannequin was filmed at a department store in Philadelphia yeah. well that's like, Philly's claim it's funny all of Philly's claim to fames come from movies it's just mannequin and Rocky it's mannequin and that's Rocky it. yeah and then as mentioned Liberty Bell Bacon Steak that's all you got yeah, and Boys to Men and yeah. Boys to Men that's true um, and now 
uh, like in the modern age after this song came out, I would say there's a bunch of other bands that are from Philly who I fucking love mm-hmm. as well. Dr. Dog. Dr. Dog, most Quite notably. Famously, yeah. Uh, yeah, Philadelphia, it's the best city in the world. We, we've all agreed. It's the city of brotherly love. Yeah, is, that, is that Philadelphia? That is Philadelphia. It is, right? Congrats. I know it's everything about Philly. The famous city of lights. All right, let's move on it, to we, the next track. We don't have a choice because we made it through the whole mm-hmm. song. <laughs> Uh, next up, track four. I can't put my finger on it. This was the number one single. This was the first single off this record. Yeah. Well, this was, uh, and I would say it was probably them trying to chase some of that uh, Push the Little Daisies. They needed to put out their first, I'm sure they had a long conversation about what to put out that would feel like a ween song, mm-hmm. feel weird and keep the young Polly Shores of the world <laughs> interested. But, you know, because the rest of this record, you're right, if they had come up with Freedom of 76 as their first single, you'd be like, this isn't they ween at all. Out, yeah. They fucking sold out, which they didn't. Anyone who says that is a liar. And I don't think anyone has ever said that in the history of people who have ever thought about ween. <laughs> all right, here's I Can't Put My Finger On It. Bye, Ween. Classic, classic, stupid sounding fake drum Ween intro. Although personally, I really like the live version of this, which starts with Gina doing a big crazy like Hebrew chant at the beginning where he goes on this long, like What, What album's that on? It's on a, I have it, I have a great uh, thing that's a like country tour sampler from when they toured with with the the Shit Creek Boys. And also every time they play it live, it starts with sort of the band, you know, doina-ing in, which is a great music term that people can learn from this show because nobody knows that word when I use it. Um, And and Gina does like this long, big, effected, like chant that's like nonsense words but often includes him doing like fake Hebrew and doing like a fake brucha and then they go into the song which is like one of their a great example of them really evolving the song after they the album started playing it live Mm -hmm. Uh, we should also point out this is one of the Ween songs that has the fake Mexican voice which is something that Ween does yeah they do it um I I uh I'm going to shamelessly plug my Ween tribute band right now on this mm-hmm. podcast. Which Bone I, Knife. <laughs> Bone Knife, <laughs> which I don't think I've ever done. For listeners out there, I play in a Toronto Ween tribute band called Ocean Men, and I sing a lot of the songs. And uh, it's one of the things that when I was starting to do it, I was like, oh, I feel kind of weird about doing this super racist Mexican voice. But uh, you can't play these songs and not do the voice. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I feel... Like more comfortable. I'm not gonna say what I was about to say. I was it's gonna, gonna say, be con- racist. Congratulations on overcoming adversity in such a way and singing <laughs> with a racist voice. Thank you. Yeah, it's tough. It, it, it's something that hasn't dated particularly well. But what are there, you gonna do? There's a few moments on this album which we'll get to that I would say were Very acceptable 90s. in the Very in 90s. the year of our Lord yeah. 1994, but are now not quite as acceptable. And yet, when they play the song live. You know, Gina's not shying away from his racist Mexican voice. Uh, yeah, again, just a real tale of overcoming adversity there. Yeah, it's a real fuck you. <laughs> but it, they're 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 sort of bone knifing it. Sure, <laughs> but yeah, good tune. Uh, don't have any real uh, arguments with that one. That's... I like it. It's it's uh, it's got that weird sort of pod sound sonically. It totally. has the Mexican voice, and it has a whole bunch of like sort of gross, slimy lyrics, all of which classic ween. Yeah, it, 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 it's a good updating of kind of the aesthetic that they have on the pod. Yeah, they really updated it, didn't they? Yeah. I'm glad we agree. Perfect. Bone Knife once again in harmony. Uh, let's move on to... Uh... Bone Knife's in harmony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. Moving on. <laughs> That's not going on the best of because it's too funny. 
All right. Uh, you, you're the one with the track listing now. <laughs> Bone Knives and Harmony. That's really good. Our next song okay. is. Uh, Tear for Eddie is Tear for Eddie. Uh, song oh, yeah. number five. That's a great tune. Uh, great. It's about time we had an instrumental song that's just pure guitarage. This song, also, when they play it live, is one that just becomes like a huge, crazy Diener tripping out in a, in a slow guitar sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but this record, also uh, on the record, it sounds fucking good. Uh- <laughs> mm-hmm. And when we will hear it, this is Tear for Eddie by Wayne. And this is, of course, uh, in tribute to famous uh, funk and psychedelic guitar player Eddie Hazel of Parliament Funkadelic mm-hmm. and uh, that old funky scene who passed away and they wrote this song for him. Yeah, something that's uh, quite sweet about Wayne, actually, is they do have a few tribute tunes to uh, to musicians who they've, they've really loved and have influenced them a lot over the years. I mean, it's not really a surprise when you consider how Wayne's sound was built from cobbling, like what they do is pastiche really well, you know, they cobble together all these different influences pretty clearly. I'm hoping in the modern day now, if they ever are going to release music, even though they hate each other and their organization is a fucking shit show, (laughs) hopefully they'll release a Prince song. They gotta release a song about Prince and Bowie. Yeah. You know, yeah. like two other artists who died and they were just like, I guess we hate each other now, so we won't release any music about them. That's too bad. It really is. Do you think we could like parent trap them into liking each other again? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get, re- re- you know, physical reconstruction so you and I both look exactly the same and then go to them and pretend to be their long lost sons. Is that what happens in Parent Trap? <laughs> That's exactly what happens in Parent Trap. Uh, though what we could also do is um, uh, we could... Oh boy, it just it just left. All I think about is the parent trap now. <laughs> Perfect. Doesn't your matter. idea is gone. My idea is gone. Well, you have a tear for Eddie in your in your ears. It's mm-hmm. hard to it's hard to focus on anything else. Yeah. But you know, good tune. It's beautiful. Uh, I it's funny. Uh, I think Ween's instrumentals tend to be uh, quite good, and I normally find them really worthwhile on the records. Where there are a lot of bands where I am baffled as to why they would include instrumentals on their studio records. Yes, yeah, so. it, not, not a lot of bands do it really well. Even so, I would say there's a bunch of Ween songs that are cool instrumentals that I don't really love. Sure. Like, I don't need Ice... I don't need to listen to say, Ice Castles. I was going to say Ice Castles, especially, but, but that's because it's on such a tight... Uh, the rest start of that to rec- finish record yeah, on, exactly. on White Pepper. On here, if you've got 13 tracks of varying quality, then sure, put Tear for Eddie is going to be a great And also, yeah. I would argue that Tear for Eddie is probably their best instrumental, like, straight instrumental song. Probably I, my favorite. I, I think it might be my favorite, it's too. It's really fucking groovy. And again, live, like on the record, it doesn't build too much. It pretty much just stays here, which is very vibey and cool. Live, it builds and builds and builds until they're just fucking tearing your goddamn face off with sweet, sweet guitar. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the next let's one. move along. Number six, Roses Are Free by Ween. Mm-hmm. This was- Quite n- a famous one. Not one of the singles off the nope, record, nope, but not a big hit at all. Retroactively, looks like it probably should have been because it's it has become one of their most famous songs. Um, it's covered a lot, famously covered by Fish. Ween fans hate it when I bring up Fish, but yep. it's true. The, Fish covered it, and a lot of people discovered Ween from it. Yep. So at the very least, be happy that more people like Ween as a result. You, you, you sad Ween fans okay, who, hate, who hate people. Here's Roses Are Free by Ween. It does get annoying when people think it's a fish song. Sure, which I, I think sometimes. that's the problem, but yeah. uh, I love this song. 
fucking I awesome. I love this song. This is also one where I really like the album. The live drums, I think, do a, a, a big part in making this song sound way bigger live. Um, although the album version is great too. Also, the album version contains a, the last verse, throw the pumpkin at the tree, etc., which they don't do live. They only do the first few verses and then they solo and that's the end of the song when they do it live. Which I think, I, I saw a recent online debate about this uh, because Ween fans like to argue with each other about Ween songs. Of course they do. And uh, like any good fan, and uh, including me, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> excluding myself from that group. You're, you're on a podcast right now, doing that very thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, but a lot of people are like, "Well, why don't they include the final verse when they do it live? Because it's such a great verse." And I, it's true. I do. I do throw the pumpkin at the tree unless that pumpkin holds your destiny. Just brilliant lyrics. Just brilliant ween lyrics. Um, and I think it's because this song doesn't really change all that often. It only really has the second, the B section, which is the. But other than that. Um, even the solo, it all just happens over the form over it's and over and over again. Form, yeah, yeah, and there isn't really any even like dynamic shift in the song. So I'm sure they were just like, it's do like, we need another verse? It's hypnotic. It's almost hypnotic, especially with like the um, uh, the different effects on the song. That like you've got the drum machine on the song and the uh, uh, the distorted vocals really kind of gets you into this like hypnotic state almost. For sure, it's just like cyclical over and over. Again. And live, it becomes they don't. It doesn't. It's not really like that. It's so, more just like a fun party everyone sing along song i can totally see why why they cut the last verse i think another part of it is that ween loves like stretching out when they play live they'll write a huge set list and they often won't play three or four songs that they wrote down because they instead played voodoo lady for 15 minutes or something like that yeah which is fucking awesome but it also makes sense to me why they would cut verses of songs that seem repetitive so that they can spend that time stretching out musically which is something they do really well totally um, yeah, good tune. Uh, it, it's it, it's it's funny because uh, not only do uh, Ween fans uh, tend to bristle at the the fish comparison, but I know uh, uh, Dean Dean Dina really really does not like the fish version, and he specifically called out Trey for it, which is I, I don't like that. I think that's weird. This is right. But... Why are you surprised when a band like I don't know band band? You know that fish band. Band. <laughs> band is a pretty good band name, too. Sure. Not the band, just band. Um, that's our other band. Um, Fish has a very specific way of playing, which is not, they have a soft touch, mm-hmm. which I'm a fan of. Um, often I find, I'm a Fish fan as well, and I find often uh, that I don't love Fish cover versions of songs where the original have a big punch to them because Fish doesn't do like big rock really well no yeah yeah you know they they have a soft their rhythm section they do really big rock in terms of their guitar tones and often uh Paige mcconnell the, the keyboard player plays pretty aggressive and like abrasive keyboard sounds but the rhythm section is very soft very light so they don't really hammer home a lot of that like heavy rock sound which i think is where them covering songs that are sort of heavy they lose that so i'm not surprised diener doesn't like it but also who fucking cares, man? <laughs> Fish is one of the biggest bands in the world. They're covering your song. Yeah. But that's Diener. Yeah. And I, I listened to the uh, the uh, Fish version, at least. I guess it was probably, there were multiple ones, but I guess it was probably the best known version of it. Or, yeah, it was a bunch yeah. of live versions uh, of it. And I, I didn't care for it personally, but I don't really care for we- or for a Fish. I and like also, we- they're like we- not as good singers as Jeter. Jeter's one of the best live singers of all time, and Fish 
are some of the worst live singers of Fish, all time. Fish uh, <laughs> is not a vocal band for sure. But yeah, Roses I mean, are free. Great fucking tune. Uh, held the test of time. Stood the test of time for sure. I would argue that sometimes Fish can be a vocal band. That's a conversation for a different time. Don't sure. worry. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, track number seven uh, coming up is uh, Baby Bitch. Mm-hmm. This was one of the very, very first Ween songs that I fell in love with when I was getting into Ween post-Quebec. Um I always think of it as like birthday boy part two. Yeah. Uh, which and there is a line in this song where they, he mentions birthday boy, calls himself a real birthday boy for you, baby, which is a fucking awesome line. Lyrically brilliant, classic, bitter, Jeaner, just fucking uh, amazing ween song. This is one of the best ween songs of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. Baby bitch by ween. It's, it's, uh, I know you're not a fan of uh, Elliot Smith, but it's very much an Elliot Smith song. Yeah, but better. <laughs> There's also uh, this song has a lot of like gut wrenching lyrics. Where if you've been in the same situation that that the character in the song has been in, uh, it really fucking makes you cry. It's like brutal, uh, really affecting song. Yeah, this is. I think this might be. Maybe it's the best song on the album. It's right up there. Top five, probably for me. Okay, there's this song. It's uh, this album is so big. It goes so many different directions that there's you know it's hard to pin down songs that I like better than other songs because there's like Mister Would You Please Help My Pony as is one of the best Ween songs of all time, but it's a totally different vibe. It's it's difficult. It's difficult. Uh, I mean, normally I I think I would say that Roses Are Free is the best song on the album, but Mm -hmm. like this one, there's something special about this. You know got a little bit of a John Lennon sing, definitely a lot of an Elliot Smith sing. It's a little grungy. It's, it's a beautiful tune, though. Yeah. I was also having a conversation with someone recently. I don't even remember what it was, but the power of a soft sort of ballad that has a frequently used curse word in it is awesome because it's a fucking totally. really great way to get emotion across. I, I know a lot. Probably not a lot of people listening to this podcast, but a lot of people think that uh, swearing in songs is like easy and not necessarily useful other than to seem cool. But I find using a well-placed curse word like bitch, which Ween does a lot, can really get across how they were feeling at the time. And I think in this song where the rest of the song is so beautiful and you can tell how heartbroken he is, I think is like a brilliant use of it. Well, it's an unexpected use, right? It's not, you know... If, if you're screaming a bunch of swears, that's going to be a different situation than using, you know, a, some kind of a curse or swear in a in a place or in a genre you wouldn't necessarily expect it. That's where sort of that power can be used in mind a little more. Should we move on? Sure. There's Let's not much on. to say other than this song is fucking brilliant. Beautiful. And moving on, as Halloween. I just mentioned, uh, one of my favorite songs on this album, Mr. Would You Please Help My Pony. Mm-hmm. One of the weirder ones. Yeah, absolutely. But to me, musically, it's so cool. The changes are awesome. The vibe of it is weird in a really sort of pleasant way, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's just got all, all sorts of cool shit going on. Another, this was another early uh, love, or early loved ween song by me. Mister, would you please help my pony? I have a hard time, not that hard of a time, obviously, because I've been talking frequently over the last little uh, 
while as we're recording this podcast, but sometimes I just want to not talk and listen mm-hmm. to the sweet t- tunes of Ween. Let's just let's take a little break. Let's, let's just, just listen to this song. Listen to the song a little bit. Great. I love it's uh, that was good radio. <laughs> yeah, we did it. I mean, like I said, it's pretty good radio. Like, Just music with people yammering on top of it. I love how this song Ween does this a lot of the times. They do three verses before going to a B section, which kind of catches people off guard. And they do it in a lot of songs. But I find it's really useful in a song like Mr. Would You Please Help My Pony, where every verse starts with the same words and they're all equally as weird. Yeah. And, you know, like. So after the second one, you're like, well, here comes the chorus. It's like, oh, nope, he's still singing about my pony. And then when they go to the chorus, which he just did, he just says pony three times. It isn't a chorus. Yeah, I, I love this song. I think it's uh, it, it's a good mixture of uh, a lot of weird elements, uh, but also them really using the expanded studio setup, uh, the expanded instrumentation, the expanded production, and really making something pretty unique out of that. It's also, it's the eighth track on the album, and I'm pretty sure this solo coming up is the first just like straight up nice sounding guitar solo on the album. Yeah, it's real smooth. Yeah, good tune. Yeah, great fucking changes. Great fucking changes. <laughs> great chords. All right, Weird. It's got it all. Move on to our next song on Chocolate and Cheese. Track number nine. This song was a uh, took me a while to get because it doesn't really go anywhere. And I think it's purposely super down. Um, uh, Drifter in the Dark. Drifter in the Dark by Ween. I mentioned earlier in the show that they there's a bunch of cool backing vocals on this that they uh, utilize a lot later on their other records in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. But uh, it's it's funny to me the way that on this song they have backing vocals doing a sort of classic backing thing, but they purposely have them singing lines that are like too long for the backing vocals, so it sounds awkward. Uh, perhaps in Love You'll Stay, for example. Yeah. Uh, Drift in the Dark by Ween. Let's give it a listen. It's good. It's pastiche, right? Like This is a song that a lot of people who... This is one of the examples of people thinking of Ween and they think they're a comedy band. Like, totally, this song sounds totally. like a joke. Yeah. But, like, I really like the lyrics. I think the lyrics are really, really good. And it's just funny that it doesn't go anywhere. And also, there's, like, the world's shittiest harmonica solo in it, which I think is really funny. Yeah, it, it, and we have talked about that before. It's like, are we in a comedy band? And absolutely not is the answer. They're, they're not a, a comedy band. Definitely but not. They're, like... Like, this song has a joke in it. Like, their songs often have a joke, a musical joke. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or a bunch of, obviously, lyrical jokes. But, yeah, it's interesting. I, I personally quite like this song. Me too. But uh, yeah, I, think I can a lot see of people why some people get annoyed by it. For sure. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, you hear this, it's just like, this is like, this is the band that you just told me is the best band in the world, which is usually how I introduce Ween to people. It's like, who the, f- who the fuck are these guys? Which is, that's part, that's part of the joke. They're in on the, the cosmic joke in that life is a joke, so you gotta laugh about it. You gotta laugh, folks. You just, yeah. <laughs> That's, that's right. trademarked, yeah. I think. I, I, don't, I don't think we need to talk too much more about this one. I well, we can... I think I'd like to listen to the harmonica solo. Okay, sure. <laughs> It's a good thing do the whole form again. He just said, do, 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 do. And, and I mean, to be fair, like a lot of, uh, a lot of old, like classic country, uh, despite people re- now really, you know, 
going to bat for classic country is kind of this flat. Absolutely, there's nothing happening. And this is probably the funniest song on this album. Sure, yeah. There's a bunch of other funny moments on this album, but this song is just like, it's it's pure absurdity, I think, that they that they included it. But then again, it really le- they do this, and then the next album is pure country, and it's like, oh, makes perfect sense that they put on this super weird, shitty country song yeah. on this record. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad this isn't on Twelve Golden Country Greats. No, it couldn't have gone on because Twelve Golden Country Greats, even though it's weird, is mostly really fucking like it's not the songs themselves aren't comedy. Yeah, for the most part. Although there's yeah. a lot of jokes in the songs. Mm-hmm. I love that solo. He's so clearly just like, I don't know which of these notes I'm going for. You know, he he knows what he wants to be hitting, but he doesn't know how to make his mouth do it so that he's just like, oh, okay. Okay, there it is. Now the next part. Perfect. Um, you can keep that going. Let's just go right into it. Why not? Next song is Voodoo Lady. Track number 10 mm-hmm. by, by Ween. Ween. This was the third single off the album. Mm-hmm and uh, became such a staple of their set that for many years, Giner didn't want to play it. He hated (laughs) playing it because they played it way too often. And so this song and uh, the aforementioned uh, Push Little Daisies from their last album, Pure Guava, are the only two uh, Ween songs to chart uh, on the the Billboard Top 100. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, it kind of surprises me. It surprised me for Push Little Daisies, but for this, I can see why this is on there. There was a time, man. There was a time when the Pauly Shores of the world were fucking running the goddamn banks. Primus (laughs) was the number one band in America. Yeah. People love Primus. We A lot of Ween fans really love Primus. I can completely understand why. Me too. I'm not a huge Primus fan. Nor am I. I, I like him. I like Wes, uh, Les, Wes Claypool. Les Claypool <laughs> Wes Clanderson. Wes, he seems great. I like, they're one of those bands where it's like, I'm stoked that they exist doing what they do and they have a fan base. Sure. I'm, the world is better for them having a fan base, I think, because that's cool, but uh, not for me. Yeah. I. The song's good. Uh, pretty good. I think... Uh, it's not one of my favorite Wing songs. Classic version of the live I version being way this, better. And uh, and you guys, uh, your cover bands played it live, and I had a great time. When this you is a it, so. this is a really fun one. They rip it live. The, all the performances are good. They play it a little bit faster, a little more in your face, and then Diener rips a solo often for ten minutes or more, which I'm happy to see live. And this is again any one of the songs that are generally at a Ween show. There's a great vibe because there's very few people who are at a Ween show who aren't totally in love with Ween because they have that kind of fan base. So, but this is such a popular song of theirs that this is one of the ones where uh, Roses is another another one, Days is another one, where when they play it and you're in the audience, everyone is fucking getting down. Everyone knows. You know, everyone's getting down, everyone's singing along. You can look to your neighbors and, you know, enjoy the vibe with them even if they're strangers. It's one of those songs that brings an audience together, which I really like. But yeah, uh, other than the solo which comes in right here, which is really cool and is hardly a guitar solo at all, uh, I really prefer the, the live version to the album sure, version. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Cool tune. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on to the next song Whoa. by Ween. They're all by Ween. They're all by Ween. Uh, track number 11. If we slipped one bone knife tune in there, <laughs> try to guess which one. Coming up, track number 11 by Ween, Joppa Road. <laughs> you look beautiful today. Thank you. <laughs> They say that in the song, but I also mean it to you. Oh, well, I do look beautiful today. You do. I love this shirt. I, yeah, and I did my eyelashes for the first time. You so. can't see from home, but he's wearing a great shirt. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I love this song. Me Smooth too. Smooth and nice. Mm-hmm. It feels like a horseback ride through the countryside at a trot. You're not going too, no, too quick. It's an out of con- one of those out-of-control horseback rides in the <laughs> country. 
Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's the sound you make on an out of control horseback ride. This feels like you're trotting with your love in the time of Pride and Prejudice to have a sit down wicker basket picnic uh, out by the riverbed. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I, and I think you've uh, uh, you've described it so perfectly that we can just move on. <laughs> Yeah, it's smooth. It's, it's nice. It's I, I don't beautiful. have much more to say about it than that. It's great. It has a cool, hilarious, little unnecessary bass solo right near yep. the end, which is funny. It's a really cute song. I find myself coming to the, back to the song a surprising amount. Yeah, it's like, it's a, it, probably not for Ween fans, because I think a lot of Ween fans really, really love this song, but I would call this an otherwise, like, sleeper hit by Ween that you could play this for people who don't like Ween, and they'd be like, oh. This is nice and fun, and I also find that a lot of Ween stuff from the early, mid-90s is way ahead of its time in that now, in 2018, there's a bunch of bands that are trying to nail this fucking sound. You know, like this, yeah. like Mac DeMarco sounds yeah. like this I was going to say, this is Mac DeMarco. It does kind of sound like a Mac DeMarco song, or like, um, yeah, a lot of right, those. it's from uh, 94. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of those, like, uh, just, like, chill out. Uh, sort of stoner rock chill yeah. bands. Yeah, even a band like, they're a little different, but a band like Whitney kind of gets into this kind of place. Absolutely, too. the, like, yeah. soft, like, whisper singing vocals. Yeah. and Whiss rock, you know. Whiss, whiss rock. Whiss rock. And completely inoffensive, uh, and, and you know, inoffensive in terms of the, the melodies and, and the... Uh, and the guitars and the rhythms and stuff like that. But also, it's a classic case of Ween just sort of like repeating the same verse over and over. So it's got a little bit of that weird uneasiness to it. Hypnotic. That makes... I think they really like that hypnotic quality in their tunes. And also, like, every line is just like, place I know, place to go, called Joppa Road. Just like so simple. And it's just saying the same thing over and over. Hypnotic is a great way to describe it. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next track on this incredibly long record. We're getting near the end. This is track 12. Uh, thought of by Ween, you were saying earlier mm-hmm. that Diener calls this their stupidest song stupidest ever. Stupidest song ever written, yeah. I might disagree with that because they got a lot of real stupid songs. That's true. I say that lovingly. Uh, this track number 12 is Candy. By Ween. By Ween, which I just read recently. I didn't know that apparently this album has something to do with John Candy and is in yeah, some the, way this, a, this an homage to John Candy. This album is an homage to the late Canadian comedian John Candy. The late. So. Great. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I hate John Candy. The Great you know, Lakes. It might be weird if I like really hated John Candy. I it would, just informed everything I did. There's very few. I think generally people in the world are welcome to their opinions without, you shouldn't be able to judge people super harshly, but that's a weird one. If you didn't like John Candy, I would be like, he, he's one of the most lovable actors lovable in, goons, yeah. in screen history. Absolutely. <laughs> so a uh, song that is obviously about John Candy. Here's Candy by Ween. It's fine. This is, I feel like this is one of those songs where if I'm like, I don't like the song Candy, people who love Ween on the internet will be like, you're a fucking idiot. Candy's the best Ween song ever. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think for a lot of Ween fans, this is just the sweet spot of weirdness. And uh, it, I don't know. It's, it, it's okay. It's just like, I kind of get what they're going for, but... Honestly, as far as songs like this go, I'll take Big Fat Fuck or Tastes Good on the Bun I over like, this. I like Big Fat Fuck. Big Fat Fuck is funny. Big Fat Fuck is better. This yeah. song is less funny to me, and it's just like, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. The drum, it's like classic Ween making a stupid drum loop and singing nonsense words over it. Yeah. With some weird guitar sounds. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. John Candy. R.I.P. John on. Candy. Yeah, let's move on. 
Peaches and cream. Uh, coming up, famous racist song, Buenas Tardes Amigo, mm-hmm. um, track number 13, which, despite it being racist, is a cl- part, is like very solidified as classic in the Ween canon. It's a fucking ripper live. <laughs> yeah, for it's sure. It's a slow burn ripper. Let's take a listen uh, to this next song by Ween. This is also, we were talking about how most of the songs are pretty short on this record. Candy is actually, I think, the second longest song on this record. It's four minutes long. Wow. And this song's seven minutes long. Yeah. Great live tune. Yeah, so we're into, you know, like uh, Mexican murder ballads and stuff like this. Uh, Yeah, I like this tune. It builds up quite... Quite, quite nicely. Um, this is a tough one to do during our track by track because we're not going to listen to the full seven minutes and you have to listen to the song all the way through to get what yeah. it's about. So you've got some homework, listener. Uh, go uh, listening to uh, Buenos Tardes Amigos and... Uh, Downloading the Bone Knife single. Download the Bone, bone Knife single uh, and then uh, decide if you think it's racist or not and tweet at us. I'm uh, on Twitter at, at Nicholas Tristan. I'm at M. Worry Smith. Tweet at us when you decide that, yes, it is racist. Perfect. <laughs> Um, but again, uh, great storytelling in songs. And they yep. do a decent amount of storytelling in, in characters, and that's something that Ween has always done really, really well. But I find that this style of the sort of, um, you know, Mexican murder ballad, um, they, like, absolutely nail the verse-by-verse telling of the story. And you really, uh, you know, it's it's cool. And the and the twist. Oh, boy. I'd also say sonically it kind of has, like, a Leonard Cohen thing. Like, it's kind of dark. Yeah, it's dark. They love and, Leonard yeah, Cohen. They do, as they you do. know. Yeah. All right, um, uh, I think we can probably. Yeah, I don't move think on. we have to listen to the whole thing. It's seven minutes long. It's it's sad and it's good, uh, and it, it also has a killer guitar solo, and it has one <laughs> yeah. of my f- most absolute favorite things that comes to music in general from Mexican music, which is the like frequent clapping through the entire solo that never changes, and yeah. it's just like straight ahead clapping. It, it sounds great. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. That's a good tune. Yeah, really I, do, cool. I do quite like that one. Moving on, probably my least favorite song on this record, track 14, the HIV song. HIV song. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. And I guess this is a comedy track. Again, this is a song that uh, in 1994 you could make as a song. Though, to be fair, it was very controversial in the 90s. It was, but it, like... In the next 10 years, I would say, like, there's no way even Ween would put this on an album now. Yeah. So, so, the, I don't, I don't so, so. the joke is AIDS is a very serious thing, but the music is very not serious. Is that the point? It's is like that... AIDS is a carnival. I, uh, okay. I don't get the joke either, to it's be just, honest. It's just one of those things where I'm like, it's, like I just don't really get it. There, yeah, I don't really have much to say about the song. There's parts of it that are interesting. On the record, sonically, it's weird. It sounds like a Ween song for sure, but... I mean, on a 16-track album, I could have gone with a 15-track album. Absolutely. Sorry, Ween fans, we'll but go this song in- goes into the no camp for me. <laughs> we'll go back in time and uh, remove this song from the track listing. Okay, let's, let's go on. on to maybe one of the most listenable songs on this Absolutely. record. 15, What Diener Was Talking About. Diener Was Talking About by Ween. By Ween. Not much to say about this other than that it's a great Ween song. It sounds like a Ween guitar, Ween drums. Clearly, Gina wrote it. He's singing it nicely with no affecting of his voice. It's just a standard ween pop song, yeah, it's like sort a of. '90s pop rock song, which is again crazy to me that it wasn't among their singles. But I guess you know it's the second last track on the album. It, it has its place. It's short and sweet. This I love hearing this one live. It's a beautiful tune. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they opened their the reunion shows with what Diener was talking about. No way. 
Either they did or I called it as the song they were going to do and they didn't open with it. But either way, <laughs> it's a great song. Well, there you go. I've always liked uh, I'd Stay Alert and Dress to Kill. I might even slip you something. Classic Cheener. Yeah. So it, good. It's a, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a lovely tune. Uh, just very much in their like that kind of 90s uh, pop rock canon that they... Uh, that they were, you know, part of and kind of don't get enough credit for being out there making these these songs that were very of their time in a very, like, good, nice way. Absolutely. Just a, like, and it's funny, though, because they, it is, I would say, like a standard sort of 90s pop rock tune, but it also has, like, this weird sound yeah. and a big flange over, but, like, the entire track, sort of, which creates a but, weird ween effect. But there was a lot of a lot of 90s pop rock bands That's had true. that weirdness, too. That's a good point. But, all right. We got, we got one more track. One more track. The last okay. track on this album, again, one of my most famous Ween songs of all time. It's got a great, great message, mm-hmm. right to the point, a great use of a curse word, mm-hmm. and it's a wicked closer of an album, I think. Really sums up the whole uh, sonic roller coaster. Sure. This is Don't Shit Where You Eat. Don't Shit Where You Eat. By Ween. By Ween. And then a nice little transition into their next record, 12 Golden Country Grapes here. Yeah, there's a bunch of, uh, you know, I'd, I really hadn't uh, considered it until right now, but even... Uh, Buenas Tardes being that sort of Mexican murder ballad Pokey, has yeah. has a very country vibe to it where it's just, you know that sort of what now I would consider like alt country sort of like desperado sure. country music which yeah. it's clear Outlaw. yeah exactly exactly I mean it's clearly uh, you know supposed to be like a Mexican song as opposed to like an American country song but there's definitely shades of you know that vibe I think it was pretty clear they were listening to a fair bit of country music around this time yeah for sure mm. This song also great. Love the changes in this song. So simple. I like that this is, I think this is a good use of purposely using fake drums because it makes it this sort of like trotting along, you know, the drums sound so, so tight, they're almost not there. And you let, they let the acoustic yeah. do a lot of the expression and it makes for a great vibe. Yeah, it's, it's a nice tune. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I find I don't, think of this song a lot. I don't come back to it uh, a lot, but you know, it, it's, it's a really nice tune. And I It's kind of funny as well. It's got a bit of a joke to it. Yeah. I think it does kind of sum up a lot. It's, it's kind of very representative of this album, right? Like, it's uh, it's polished and accomplished, but still weird and still a little off. And yeah, it's basically chocolate and cheese the song. Yeah, that's true. And I think there's a few songs that are like that on this record, which is why it's funny that for a long time, I didn't see this album as a super cohesive record, and I no. think people don't no. often, but uh, there are definitely a bunch of markers where if you talk about it or if you listen to a podcast about it by two experts, you mm-hmm. might realize that, in fact, there are definitely a lot of thematic <laughs> themes and it is a cohesive record. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I don't know, I think we can probably fade this one out and uh, just talk uh, briefly about kind of our final thoughts on the record. Sure, yeah. How it uh, uh, matches up against uh, the four albums we've uh We've already discussed, though you weren't here for La Cucaracha, so I have no idea what you think about that record. Oh, yeah, uh, I like it. Oh, me too. (laughs) I actually really like the band Ween. Yeah, me too. Big fan Mm -hmm. uh, of of their whole, I celebrate their entire catalog. As I was telling Dr. Dershowitz the other day, you know, (laughs) Ween's a pretty good band. Um, He was like, I know, I read your fucking thesis, dude. We wrote it together. (laughs) Cabo Wabo. so yeah, uh, like I'll I guess I'll go first. Go for it. Um, I really like this record. I think it uh, it holds up really well. Uh, it's one I think uh, just you know thinking about it kind of critically for this podcast has made me want to listen to it more. Me too. Uh, 
kind of it'll get into my rotation alongside you know listening to White Pepper Quebec Shinola, uh, which are albums I listen to a lot, a lot, a lot. The Mollusk Shinola's um, a rare pick mm-hmm. for a top Ween record. It's fucking awesome. I uh, agree. Uh, well, well, we'll get to that in a few episodes, I'm sure. But uh, uh, yeah, so I think this is probably one of their best records. Uh, I would say top five for me, probably is where I w- would kind of end up in my ranking. I uh, are you done? Yeah. Okay, I'll say mine. Um, I, as many Ween fans do, have a really difficult time ranking Ween albums. Oh, it's hard. It's, it's really fucking hard, impossible. But. I agree with you that after coming back and listening to this record and really thinking about it critically and spending some more time on it instead of listening to it casually like I always did, coming back and re you know, um, rediscovering the album versions over the live versions. I too have a newfound appreciation for this record, although it's always been a favorite. Uh, I, I can't, I can't possibly rank it, but I would say it's my number one favorite Ween album. There you go. (laughs) Okay. So it's the greatest album of all time. It's the greatest album of all time. Uh, it's, it's got, it's got it all. The fact that it is, I think you really nailed it earlier and I never really considered it this way, but it is really the perfect, you know, start to the modern era of ween or, or sort of like phase two of ween, totally. I would say ween 2.0 mm-hmm. when they were in their mid nineties, heyday, really exploring a lot of shit. They fucking nailed it on this record. And I always thought of, uh, sort of this and pure guava as like the transition, but I think pure guava is more the transition and this is the, yeah, there's the very little point. transitioning and that's very of, little. Yeah. That's one of the things that they, that they've always done, which I've loved about them is they've never, um, Maybe not never, maybe maybe on their really late albums like Shinola, but it, for a very long time, they never abandoned previous ideas. Whereas no, a lot of bands no, who evolve, yeah. they trim the fat and they say, well, now we're sort of this sort of band. We don't really do that thing anymore. Radiohead is like a perfect example of a band yeah. that always evolved and they cut away the, their early stuff that made them who they are. And Ween does tons of exploring and reaching out, but they never, there's still a few tracks on this album that, you know, instead of thinking of it as transitionary, they just, they're like, well, we should include some songs that are classic Ween songs and mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, tape recorded and sound sort of like shit and are weird and abrasive. Yeah. They, they never shy away from that. No. Which is what they makes them Ween. who they are. They do, absolutely. Uh, yeah, all right. So I think this is, uh, pretty much sums up uh, Chocolate and Cheese. Uh, and join us next time when we talk about Pure Guava. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about yeah, that, that one. Yeah, that 1992 record. Um, spoiler alert, I might not be as positive about it, but hey, you never know. Sing That's change. why we're doing the show. That's why we're doing the show. I'd like to take a second to say we took a long time off. Uh, we had some shit we had to do, but I love talking about Ween. I'm happy to be back. Me too. Feeling good about it. Uh, thanks so much for people who have been listening. We love you very much. Uh, we appreciate all the support. Um, don't forget, follow us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. At Nicholas Tristan. At M. Warry Smith. Uh, thanks for listening to Awesome Sound, and we'll see y'all next time. See you next time. <laughs>